You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. The Lord has given us all that we have and we could never repay him, but we can thank him and express our gratitude back to him. When he fulfilled his promises to his people in the Bible, they responded with gratitude and praise. They gave back to him, not because they had to, but out of gratitude and thankfulness for all that he had done. How do we respond to all that the Lord has given to us? If you were with us last week or you watched online or listened online, we talked about gratitude and and the fact that a, a posture of gratitude can change our outlook and our perspective and that it can actually be healthy for us as well. It can, it can shape the way the, the neuropathways in our brain work too so that we more have a tendency more to go and look at the things that go well rather than focusing on the negative things. Um, it's gratitude's important um, to remember not just for the health benefits, but also to remember where we've been. Remember where we've been, to remember where we're going, and remember who brought us here. And, you know, here we are just a couple days after Thanksgiving. Um, everyone's got different traditions for Thanksgiving, but you know, I remember growing up, going to school, and always talking about the pilgrims. And, and we talk about the fact that uh, the pilgrims were escaping the oppression that they were facing in England, and so they were looking for freedom. And it was a, a hard and long and treacherous journey to get from one place to the other. And if we read throughout Scripture, we know that the story of God's people tends to be about a journey anyway. We go back to the Old Testament and we read about God's people coming out of Egypt and wandering in the wilderness, and yet God had promised them that, that He would do something significant for them, and yet there was this journey that they were on, and they had to remember where they were. They had to remember where they uh, were going as well, and who was bringing them there in the process. And as we consider the history, and not only of our ancestors in this country, but also our spiritual ancestors as well, I think it's important for us to keep things in perspective and remember the things that we need to be grateful for, the things that we need to give thanks to our God for. And we read in, in Deuteronomy about uh, a, a time when God specifically called His people to show gratitude and to show thanks and to set aside time to do that. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Deuteronomy 26. It's on the screen as well. If you want to follow along. And this is what we read, when you've entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. And go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for His name. And say to the priest in office at the time, I declared today the Lord your God that I, to the Lord your God, I've come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. You shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean. And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer subjecting us to harsh labors. And we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice, saw our misery, toil, and oppression. And so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. 
With great terror and with signs and wonders, he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. You and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. When you finish setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. And say to the Lord your God, I've removed from my house the sacred portion, have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all you commanded. I've not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I've not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I've obeyed the Lord my God, I've done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel and the land you've given us as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. The people of God have been wandering in the wilderness for all these years, and they finally get to where they're going. And so God basically says to them, when you finally get to where you're going, the place that I promised you, take time to be grateful. Take time to show your gratitude to me. You know, I, I've mentioned before, I think I've got a friend who has a really cool practice of when she writes down a prayer request that God has, that she has, and she leaves space in her journal so that she can respond and, and write down how God has responded. And even though I, I'm not great at journaling, um, I love that idea because it's always anticipating that God's listening to us and that he's responding to us. And that we're always waiting and not just throwing requests up to God, but we're also expecting to be grateful for how he hears us and how he responds to us. And I wonder when God fulfills his promises to us, when we see his hand at work, how often do we stop to be thankful? How often do we stop and say, you know what? I have a record of the fact that I've been praying about this and God's responded to me. Or I've been praying about this whether I have the record of it or not. And I'm grateful to God for having answered my prayer. When we read through the Old Testament, we see that that God had called Abraham out from among the nations. Not because Abraham was so special, not because he had done anything or earned anything or deserved anything, but God chose him and said, I will make a great nation out of you, even though he didn't have children at the time. And then he showed him in Genesis chapter 13 that he would not only make a great nation out of him, but for that nation, he would give them a land. He would give them a home. And he said in Genesis 13, 14 through 17, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north, the south, to the east and west, all the land you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. And within this passage in Deuteronomy that we read before, there are two specific mentions of the fact that it is a land flowing with milk and honey that God is going to give him. In Ezekiel 26, that same phrase is used. 
And it says, On that day I swore to them I would bring them out of Egypt into a land I would searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands. This analogy of a land flowing with milk and honey may not resonate with us, but for the Israelites who were a nation that lived off of the land, that made sense to them. Because if they had a land of milk and honey, then the milk came from the livestock that they had that was, that was being sustained by the fruitfulness of the land. And so uh, that was where the milk came from. And then the honey meant that there were things growing that the bees could get that, what they needed uh, for the nectar and they could make honey. And so a land of milk and honey meant a land of flourishing. A land where everything that you needed was being provided for you. And God isn't about giving people second best. He's about fulfilling His promises and giving them everything that they need. <clears throat> and as in Deuteronomy here, we read that, that when they come and they're grateful for all that God has done for them, they bring the first fruits of what they have to the to the Levites, who were the priests at the time, the pastors and the priests, the ones who were presiding over the celebration. The people brought what they had. And in a commentary about this, commentator Peter Craigie says this, he says, the declaration was a personal testimony that the man had entered the promised land. And the basket he carried symbolized that already he was beginning to experience the blessing of the new land and the new life given by God. But the declaration did not only reflect man's experience, it was a testimony also to the faithfulness of God who had promised the land long ago and now had fulfilled that ancient promise by giving the land to His people. You see, our gratitude, when we show our gratitude to God for what He has done, that's a testimony to the people around us, both those who already know the faithfulness and what God has done, but also those who haven't, those who don't know about God's faithfulness. And as we thank God for what He's done and for what He's provided for us, we give testimony to others that God is real that He hasn't abandoned us, that He cares for us, and that He keeps His promises. And as the people in Deuteronomy here, they come into the land that God had promised them, they're remembering, hey, God made us a promise a long time ago. To our ancestors, He had told us that He would do this. And here we are seeing the culmination of those promises today. We're seeing the fulfillment of those promises, and we're going to take time to be grateful for what God has done. And this thanksgiving that they celebrate, this gratitude that they show, it's not just an individual one, it's a corporate one. God has saved me, yes, but God has saved us. You know, God has fulfilled His promises to me, but God has fulfilled His promises to us. God has provided for me, He's provided for us. There's something to be said about celebrating gratitude together corporately again if, if those of us who celebrate around tables for thanksgiving did we take time to celebrate and to be thankful and to express that gratitude there's something that happens when we do that together and we can remember where we've been we can remember where we're going and we, we can remember the god who brought us from there to here 
In verse 12, we see that when they came with their gratitude, they brought something with them. The Israelites, they came with the first fruits of the land. They, they had set aside a portion of what God had given them. Already, that living in this land, the, the land was producing things. and An agrarian society that lived off the land, that's all they had. They, they weren't exchanging money, but that's what God had given them. And so they took the first fruits of that. And you see, when, when they took the first fruits, that's telling people a few things. First of all, it's that, hey, God has provided for us, but also that God, this isn't the only thing that God's going to give us. If, if they take the first fruits, which means the first things that come in, and they give that right back to God, that's saying that we know and we trust that God's promises are true and that there will be more where this came from. And so I take what I have and I first, I give it to God. And when we look through the Old God calls His people to take 10% and to give it back, that first fruit, and give it back to God and say, I trust that you will give me more, but I'm going to give you this first fruit. I'm going to give you back a portion of what you've given to me. And so what does that look like for us? I mean, while there are farmers still, you know, I don't know that we're going to be coming in and bringing stuff from our storehouse uh, and putting it before the Lord. What does it mean to give of our tithes as we, or give of a portion of what God has given to us? As we consider giving back to God, there's a few points that I think are important for us. Um, the first one is that, yeah, God's calling us in gratitude to give a portion of what He's given to us. And, and you know, I've been around conversations within the church where people will split hairs and say, well, you know, am I supposed to give out of my net my gross income? And I'm like, if we're splitting hairs like that, we've got bigger problems. Um, I don't think we sit there and go, okay, well, let's be that specific about stuff. I think, first of all, we need to actually just give and we need to give with a right heart. Paul, as he was writing to the, the church in Corinth, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We don't give back to God because uh, we are required to do that. We give with a posture of gratitude. And if we give as if, okay, I'm playing the lottery and I'm going to give to God because I know He's going to give me back, then our hearts are wrong and He's not going to bless that. He's not going to, if we're saying, hey, well, I can earn something by giving back to God. We're, we're not saying that either. We, we don't give because we have this expectation that God's going to give back to us. We give because we're grateful for what He's already blessed us with. God will never bless us if our heart posture is wrong in the giving. He will never give us back if that's our motivation behind it. If we're just giving because we're expecting more. Should we expect more because we know that God loves us and provides for us? Absolutely. But if that's our number one motivation, uh, then we've got the wrong motivation. 
Um, <clears throat> the second thing to consider when we talk about giving back to God in gratitude is that he, what He's given us is not limited to our finances. You know, too often, I think, too, when we talk about giving back to God, we focus on a financial piece. While that's part of it, I think there's other things that God has given us. They talk about the, the three T's, the time, the talents, and the treasures that God has given us. Are we giving back a portion to Him of what He's given us with our time, with our talents, with our treasures? We live in an overscheduled, overworked, and underrested society. And I wonder if we take 10% of everything that God has given us and say, hey, I'm going to give you back 10% of my time. Or do we say, well, I, I can't spare that, and I can't spare that, but I can spare this. That's not the first fruits. <laughs> That's not saying, okay, God, you can have whatever, a portion of everything you've given me. We need to say, God, you've given me everything and I want to give back to you out of that and out of the first fruits of what you've given me. And finally, we give in gratitude and response, not guilt and necessity. For those of you who have been part of the Galatians study that we've been doing, we know that Paul is very, very specific as he speaks to the church there and says, you know, it's, Jesus is the reason why you have life. You are saved because of what He has done, not because of anything that you've done. You can't pay it back. You can't earn it. You can't somehow one-up it. There's nothing that you can add to the Gospel. And the same thing we need to remember when it comes to giving back to God. We don't give because we think we can earn it. We don't give out of guilt. We don't give out of necessity. We give because we realize what God has done. As the people entered into the promised land, their hearts were grateful because they finally could see that God had kept His promise. And they were responding in gratitude. They were giving back to Him because of what He had done for them. You know, like everything else in the Christian life, like everything else in this whole journey of faith, we might not start out that way. You know, we may not start out with the purest of motives. As we give, we may feel reluctant. We may feel like it's hard. We may say, like, there's no way that I can give back to God of my time and of my talent and of, of my finances, my money, my treasure as well. How am I supposed to do that? Well, the only way that you strengthen muscles that are weak is by using them over and over again. We've talked about this before. That the way that we get less flimsy and less weak is that we go to the gym and we work those muscles that are flimsy and weak. And so if your muscle of gratitude and giving isn't strong, if you feel like it's weak and flimsy, then exercise it. Work it. And see what you can do to make sure that you're using that. And you're getting it stronger. And God will grow and pray, ask and say, God, help my heart to have an attitude of great gratefulness, of thankfulness in it. That when I give to you, I'm doing it because it's definitely out of, out of gratitude. When we give back, where does it go? And we see in, in this passage in Deuteronomy 26 that uh, where the places are that it goes. In verse 12, we see it goes to the Levites, to the priests. And it goes to the foreigners and the fatherless and the widow. 
You know, it might seem self-serving for me to stand up here and talk about the fact that um, when people give to the church, part of what that does is it sustains me to continue to live and, and be able to afford things. Um, part of the giving back to God to the church and to the local church is the sustaining of those who are specifically working. You know, for Sam and for me who don't have other jobs, that, that's how we're provided for. But that's not the only thing that's happening here. Foreigners are also helped through financial giving. And as we consider that, you know, not getting political about this or anything, but the fact of the matter is if we're living in the United States and unless we have Native American background, um, we're all foreigners and we all came here from somewhere else. We all uh, are, are foreigners and our, when our ancestors first stepped onto this continent, we were all foreigners and strangers. When those pilgrims came off the Mayflower in Plymouth, they were all strangers. They were from somewhere else. And so we can point and say, well, those foreigners, those foreigners, but we're all foreigners or we all were at one time. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we're all foreigners still because this world is still not our home. We need to be sensitive. We need to remember that God has called us to love the foreigners the exiles, the strangers. Even in this passage, we see that he specifically says that there are foreigners living among them. They, weren't, they didn't say, hey, go isolate them, put them on the outside. They said, welcome them. Let them be part of what you're doing and be part of your celebration. And then finally, the fatherless and the widows were included in this giving to the Lord. If we read through the Bible, we see that the fatherless and the widow, the orphans and the widow, are mentioned multiple times throughout Scripture. Jesus' half-brother James in James 1.27 says this, he says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Are we taking notice of the foreigners, of the orphans, of the widows among us? Are we stopping and saying, hey, how am I giving back to them? How am I giving? You know, hopefully, we as a church, as we partner together with organizations like the YMCA, as we partner together with Hanover County Public Schools and the Community Service Board, that we can say, hey, we hopefully are doing our part in giving and serving those who are fatherless, those who are foreigners, those who are widows among us. And that's why we do what we do in partnership at the branch, is so that we can say, hey, we want to be about doing the things that God calls us to do. We want to be about giving to the things that God has called us to give to as well. And so, what do we do with all this in terms of giving, in terms of gratitude? You know, questions to ask ourselves. The you know, first one is this How are you giving back to God? You know, are you taking what God's given you and saying, Hey, God, I want to first and foremost do and, and give back to you out of what you've given to me? And like I said, you know, this isn't an overnight success thing. I don't think people just start and say, hey, I'm going to just give to God. 
You, you have to start small and you have to start, I mean, just like I'm not going to go into the weight room and I'm not going to start, you know, putting up 200 pounds right away. It, it's got to be a small and slow and steady journey. But how are you giving back to God? Not just financially, but how are you giving back with your time as well and your talents? How are you discovering how God has created you and saying, hey God, I want to give you the best. I want to give you the best of who I am and serve you through that. And then also, what's your heart posture as you give? You know, I, I confess that even for as long as I've known about this and learned about giving and gratitude, that there are times that my heart's not right in it. That I come to a place and I have to say, I've got to check my heart again. Am I giving with the right motivation? Am I giving my time? Am I giving my talent? Am I giving my treasure with the right attitude? Am I sitting in doing these things because I'm waiting for someone to watch me and acknowledge me? Or am I doing this because I'm grateful for what God has done? You know, it's a of thankfulness as we give back to God out of what He's given us. Let me pray for us. Father, You've given us so much. We could never repay You and You don't ask us to. But Father, You do want us to come before You with gratitude, with thanksgiving. And so, Father, I pray that You would just work in our hearts. And that, God, we would realize, just taking time regularly to realize just all that You have blessed us with. All the things that You've given us. And, Father, may our hearts be filled with gratitude for that. May we be a testimony to the people around us for all that You've done for us. And may people see that, God, You are a God who keeps His promises, who fulfills His promises to His people, and that in response to that, Your people are grateful. And so, Father, may we come before You with grateful hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you giving back to God with your time, your talents, and your treasure? What's your heart posture as you give? May our hearts be filled with gratitude, not just during the season of Thanksgiving, but throughout the year. And may those around us see our hearts of gratitude and be drawn to the one who has given us everything. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.